Welcome to Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age, the show designed to help make middle age your prime time of life by defying the notion that once you reach 40, 50, or even 60 years old, your crowning achievements are all behind you. Regardless of whether you're just approaching 40 or are firmly entrenched in your middle years, it's time to launch your very own personal journey toward a joyful and purpose-filled second half of life. Each week, host Roy Richards, an expert on midlife renewal and author of A Midlife Challenge, Wake Up, will discuss the challenges common to middle age and help guide you to a brighter tomorrow. Now, here's Roy. Well, we've been talking about empty nesting, and uh, one thing that a lot of people like to do as empty nesters is travel, but there's also a lot of people who get caught in a rut and uh, don't really want to travel that much. They say, well, we're too old or they say it's too expensive. And, of course, uh, another common excuse for not taking international travel is all the uh, the terrorism in the world. And uh, people don't want to take the chances to go overseas anymore in a lot of areas of the world, certainly. But I've got a guest here today that uh, not only uh, is an expert on travel, but he actually has been there and done that because at age 62, Following the loss of his uh, loving wife of 40 years, he took what he called a gap year, took 365 days, and uh, just uh, took off around the world backpacking, and uh, he called it his gap year, and he didn't have any particular purpose in mind or a destination or a uh, timetable. He just took uh, one day at a time, and he's here to talk about that, and he's also here to uh, answer some of the uh, common complaints. He says you can actually live on travel uh, for less expense than it costs you to live at home. And secondly, that uh, you can't overcome your fears from uh, terrorism and uh, threats like that that uh, people are often afraid of. And uh, it, it's really a, a wonderfully fulfilling uh, experience that he experienced. And his name is... Uh, Chris Herman, and he's here with us today. Hello, Chris, and welcome to Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age. Yeah, hello, Roy. It's, uh, it's good to be with you. Yeah, now, uh, what what in the world prompted you to uh, take this year sabbatical and, and travel after the loss of your loving wife? I know it, uh, you had a great uh, experience there uh, in Perth, Australia, a beautiful town, uh, and we're happy with your wife, and suddenly she passed away, even though she'd had cancer for 12 years, she seemed to be handling it, but then uh, uh, you lost her in about a week, and, and how how long did it take you to make that decision, and what prompted you to take that, that uh, worldwide journey? Yeah, well, certainly uh, it, it did come as a, uh, as a shock, um, and it was after um, a period of time that I, I sort of came to the realization that um, you know, that her, her life had uh, her journey had come to an end, and, and mine was was still continuing. In fact, there was, was something that really stuck in my mind as she lay in her final hours. I mean, even she was struck by it that she kept saying, "I can't believe this is happening. I can't believe it's happening," and it just. This just stayed in my mind, and it still does to this day. Just the the point that you, you can't take life for granted; it can be just taken away in, in just a blink. And and I suppose you know, once I you know 
uh, I guess, dealt uh, as much as I could with, with the loss of 40 years and, and the great family times we had together. It was the fact that my life was still, my journey was still continuing. And, yeah. and it was those words that, that stuck with me that mine could be taken away just as quickly. And, and, uh, and it's, let's get out and, 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 um, and just get out there and, and, and make the most of life. Yeah, so many of us uh, go so far to protect ourselves, and then when you ask yourself, what am I really protecting myself from, and what am I uh, gaining by continuing to live a life uh, less than fully, <laughs> just so that I won't take any risks in life and uh, end up uh, pretty much in a dead end and, and a rut, as you put it. What did, what did your uh, three children think of that when you told them you were going to take off for a year and, and your close friends and uh, and maybe other uh, extended family members? Did they think you were kind of nuts, or, or how did they react to that? Well, <laughs> yeah, well certainly some uh, people thought I was pretty crazy because that was the whole point of doing this gap. I, I wanted to do something completely different because I just wanted to... Uh, break away from the normal routines of uh, life that we all get sort of almost stuck in a rut doing. Yeah. And um, some people said, oh, you'll be back after a few months. But <laughs> my, my kids, I guess, in some ways, I mean, they're married, have their own children, their own. I, I think they were sort of quietly envious. Uh, they were in the um, constraint with their family obligations. Um, so they were generally uh, quite supportive and... Um, a bit worried at some time with some of the uh, instances that um, I found myself in, but uh, yes, overall uh, supportive. Well, now, how uh, how much contact did you remain to uh, your loved ones and relatives? Did you uh, like have a? Did you uh, carry on a, a cell phone or anything like that to keep in touch, or were you pretty much out of touch with the the people? No, no. <coughs> No, no, definitely. I was very much in touch, and I think that's to me that was a very important uh, part of the whole journey. Uh, was that I was, I mean, I was travelling solo, and it's really the first time I'd ever really travelled solo in uh, in my life, or certainly for that period of time. And so I used quite extensively um, through social media, and and just the ability of having a smartphone where I could, you know, readily keep in contact with my family. I mean, there's one time I was riding on the back of an elephant having a video call to my grandkids, and they say, oh, look, there's Popper on the back of an elephant. Um, and just little messages, uh, my son, a message, you know, where, where are you now, Dad? And um, so to me, that was that was the, the social uh, connection underlying all the experiences I had and the people, wonderful people I met along the way. I see. Well, how how did you finance this? Did you uh, have a bunch of cash you took along, or did you have a credit card, or uh, how, how how do you handle the finances on a trip like this when you're solo? I know you had a round the world uh, five hundred dollar was that an airplane ticket, uh, but it had layovers in uh, three different locations where uh, you could pretty much on your own for each of these basic locations. The rest of the time was pretty much your own. How did that work? Well, that's the interesting thing. Uh, you know, some people said, oh, when when they heard I was taking this, this year-long trip around the world, they said, well, that, that must cost you a fortune. Yeah. But 
in fact, it, it wasn't the case, and, and I never wanted to be like that. I wanted to be just this part of an ongoing experience. And um, so with the uh, the ticket you mentioned, um, and with all these forms of travel, like a lot of people think it's the expense, but it doesn't have to be. Yeah. Like the round-the-world ticket I bought with um, uh, just three stop-offs, one in Spain, uh, one in South America, one in Southeast Asia. And that was... Um, uh, I used frequent five points for that, uh, and that cost me, or probably US, three hundred dollars. Uh, but the frequent five points I didn't have, so I signed up for some credit cards and got bonus points. Oh. Um, so there's the smart ways of doing it, and and uh, with the, the travel expenses, uh, with, with the home, you know, people uh, rent the house out. Uh, I was renting at the renting at the time and so I handed back the uh, the keys and and that freed up a lot of uh, otherwise expenses that you have yeah, you know, running really out. have uh, dual expenses of maintaining a household and also be traveling at the same time so yeah, like you said no you that's right and or, uh, something coming in to, to cover the cost of the house and then even like I effectively had free travel insurance um, and that's oh. because I Ended through my health insurance company the health insurance premium, so oh. that effectively equated to the, um, the you know, cover the cost of the travel insurance. So, um, and and a lot of the accommodation I stayed in was, I mean, I wasn't staying in five star resorts. I was staying in um, it was budget accommodation, but it was excellent accommodation um, the, the whole the whole trip. I mean, some was fairly adventurous of staying in. Uh, on the floor of a Buddhist uh, monastery and place like that, but that was all part of the uh, adventurous experience. But I would guess that most of the people you saw in, in your travels were a lot younger than us uh, uh, people in late middle age. And, uh, didn't you uh, run into a lot of younger people in the, like hostels and places like that, that uh, a lot younger than our age in the early 60s? No, well, definitely. Um, I, I was with a lot of young people, um, but but that was well. First of all, you mentioned hostels, and that was my my preferred uh, accommodation. Uh, <clears throat> number one, it's cost effective. Yeah. Secondly, hostels aren't like the questionable places we that may have been many years ago. There, a lot of them are good quality places. But the thing I like about hostels are they're a social hub where a lot of my travel tips I got from other other travellers, yeah. but in terms of young people, you know, I came back in this one year uh, gap year with one question: um, uh, Why is it that the younger generation are out there having all the fun? We, we're missing out. Our generation is missing out on all the fun. It's, I mean, they are a, a confident, adventurous ge uh, generation out there travelling and being adventurous and experiencing all these different cultures and, and sure we didn't have the same opportunity that we um, that they have at, uh, at this time of their life but the thing is to a large part we've got that opportunity now and, and I think we're missing out on all the fun. Yeah that's for sure. You but and a, lo a lot of times you know when I was you know perhaps with some of these younger people once they got to hear the uh, the story they would uh, inevitably say uh, oh you're a legend so um, I think from their point of view, they, they found it inspiring as well, that yeah, age well, is no limit. That's great. Uh, what about uh, 
I was thinking, what about terrorism? Is is that a major concern? I know you travel all around the world. Did you run into any uh, like drug dealers and that type of thing, or uh, terrorists, or how, how do you uh, ensure your safety in a, in a trip like this? Well, the, the thing is, overall, it's it's dangerous until you get there, and 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 what I mean by that is that we are our worst enemies. You know, we we have all this stuff blasted at us through the media uh, about how dangerous these places are. Yeah. But, but when you get there, it, it's it's nothing like um, that. I mean, sure, there's places you know you wouldn't go to, but yeah. As a general rule, it's it's um, it's not it's only in your mind that really creates those fears that stop us from going. And I mean, there's some you know some um, I guess golden rules. You know, for example, you know when you get to a place, is um, find out from the uh, from the accommodation uh, people where it's safe to go. Like there's one place when I um, I was in uh, Colombia. Oh. And I, I got yeah, there, and I felt like just. <laughs> well, once again, it sounds dangerous, but it's probably one of the most popular places for young people to go. And yeah. and I think if we let our fears stop us, we uh, we're missing out on a great experience. It's. Uh, yeah, um, but that was the place where I wanted to go. F- Sorry. Oh no! I just uh, you know everyone thinks of drug cartels when Colombia is mentioned, but. I'm certain there's areas there where you're totally safe, if you know what you're Yeah, well, that, that's the whole point. Like, in each of our cities that we live, there's there's places where we don't go. Some are, are bigger than others, and some of these countries, those bigger parts are bigger than what we'd have at home. Yeah. The same principle applies. Um, you know, I, was, I was on a tour, uh, like a walking tour around this uh, this city in um, in Colombia, and the tour guide took us to this bridge, and he said, "Well, don't cross over the other side. Of the bridge is dangerous. Don't go there." So, um, but the rest of it, you felt completely safe. So it's just yeah. picking up that that local advice. Well, there was one chapter that really interested me, and in, uh, tell me how you got out. You were in a an isolated uh, country somewhere in the middle of nowhere, and you had no cash at all, and no credit cards, and no this and that. How did you get out of that mess? <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, it was actually um, I had credit card, but the problem was uh, it was on the Galapagos Islands, oh. and I'd been on one island for a few days, and the three main islands, and so after a few days, I got a ferry to the next island, and because uh, everything's in cash, yeah. and I'd prepaid for my accommodation and uh, and some day tours. And yeah. I had just about $10, $10 left, and I said to someone, where's the ATM? And they said, oh, sorry, sir, no ATM on the island. Oh, and that was one of those sinking moments, like, oh, no, what, what have I done? I didn't even have enough uh, money to buy a ticket off the island. Yeah. And so um, I went into emergency mode. So with my $10, I, I went down to the uh, local store, you know, cash only, and bought some pasta and some can of tuna. I thought, well, at least I can live off that for a few meals <laughs> but uh, but but then I had this this great idea and I thought well why don't I create my own ATM machine <laughs> because I'd I'd heard that there was one restaurant on this little island that took uh, took credit card oh. so leaving my rations uh, behind I I headed off to find this restaurant and I sat there near the you know near the checkout um, desk there 
sat down there for more deserving meal. And then as each person, uh, each of the, um, uh, the people in the restaurant came up to pay their bill, I'd go up to them and say, excuse me, are you paying by cash? So then I'd pay by credit card, take their cash, and then after each of these withdrawals, I had uh, enough money to, um, to uh, live for the next few days and uh, get my ticket off the island. That was, that was brilliant. <laughs> Better than washing dishes. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah, that was on the cards there for a while. Well, uh, tell me about your book. What's what's the title of the book again? And uh, I know you had a different title, but what's the current title that uh, we should ask for? Yeah, it's the, uh, the the youthful art of midlife travel, and and it's the the title comes from that uh, that youthful um, example that um, uh, that well, the need to sort of reinvigorate as we get get a bit uh, move on in life, we get a bit stuck in a rut bit in their comfort zone and it's just really bringing that out that that youthfulness uh, to be more adventurous and um, um, and just to have the the courage to, to live at, at, at travel dreams or whatever our aspirations may be yeah that's great and uh, what where's the best place somebody can go to uh, to purchase your book or to preview it where's the best place to uh, do that? Well, the link is uh, youthful midlife Travel so youthfulmidlifetravel.com. dot com. Okay. And uh, it's all the details there. Well, in conclusion, uh, Chris Herman has uh, done something that, that very few of us have done in our lives, and uh, the courage he showed to go and do that is, is amazing. And uh, just want to say, uh, you know, I, I, you're, it was a great honor talking to you, and uh, you certainly have accomplished a lot, Chris. And uh, probably won't. Probably most of us are not going to do what uh, Chris did, but uh, how about a place that uh, for maybe a shorter family vacation, not a round-the-world tour? Any any suggestions on uh, maybe a great place for a solo visit or uh, maybe a spouse and you as empty, ne- empty nesters might uh, turn up? What would be a, a good place for a trip like that. Well, see, that's the thing, Roy. You touched on a really good point. I mean, not everyone is into doing taking off a year and, and just going backpacking like I did. But the key principle to me is, um, like, I mean, I had a, I tried to work with the principle. If it felt uncomfortable, I'd just do it. And not uncomfortable from a risk point of view, but just yeah. the fact stepping out of our, out of our comfort zone to do things we might feel uncomfortable with and. And so, to me, that that's really, um, I guess, the lesson I learned. And and I know others have been have been inspired <clears throat> to do the um, similar sort of thing. I could tell you a couple of stories about that if you like. Yeah, sure. Um, uh, well, well, one one example was I was I was cycling in a cycle group with um, some friends in Australia, uh, in the other side of Australia, and. and mm. I was just saying I was from Perth um, and I did a bit of travel. And he said, oh, I was just reading a story about you in Saturday's paper. Oh, not not about you, about a guy from Perth who went backpacking. I said, oh, well, that was me. <laughs> anyway, he said he went on, quite a coincidence. Anyway, he went on to say how he, after reading the story, he texted his wife, who was away for the weekend, to say how much he appreciated her. And I thought, wow, to me, that that's a, a great gift you know, that I received in return. Yeah, and and there was another uh, email I got from a lady from New Zealand, and uh, she'd recently lost her uh, husband, 
and she was in Perth and she happened to hear the story. Uh, this, this, this my story. It was on a segment on TV. Oh. And she said it just it just struck her and she just connected with it. And next day she bought the book. And then next week she um, she asked for a, a year's leave from her from her work, and she said, "Well, she's not doing the same as what I did, but it sort of inspired her to have the courage to do what she wanted to do with her form of travel, and, and now she's inspiring others. And, and to me, that's what it's all about: it's just stepping outside of our comfort zone and, and doing things um, we otherwise would would let our fear stop us from doing. So anyway. Back to your original question is um, places to uh, to go, and it's a bit out of the comfort zone. And I think Central America is is some of those places. There's a lot of Americans that um, go to Nicaragua, uh, oh, yeah. for example, in a place called San Juan del Sur. Some go there for three months, you know, for the I guess is a snowbird type thing. Yeah. Um, but it's it's a great it's it's a different culture. Um, and it's uh, cost-effective. It's easy to get to from the U.S. Another place is uh, R- uh, Roatan Island in uh, Honduras. I mean, Honduras oh. sounds a scary place. In fact, a lot of it would be, but Roatan Island is a beautiful island with uh, a lot of Americans that, that visit there and, um, and experience that local culture. So there's some really great opportunities, I think, just to to do something a bit different um, and experience those local cultures. I know I found your book quite easily on Amazon.com. If someone wants to look for it there, it, uh, it was. Uh, uh, yeah, no, that's uh, definitely available either ebook or the uh, or the paperback. Yeah. One, one final question: the year eventually ended. What did you do when you got back to the uh, to your home base? Did uh, as the next stage of your life after the year long journey? Did you plunge back into a prior job or what what did you uh, what was it like after you completed that year well what, what I did when I was on the uh, the gap year I was blogging about it weekly I mean I never intended to take a gap year never intended to do a blog but it was from the, the weekly blogs that people you know were inspired by the stories and said you should write a book so oh, I never intended to write a book so yeah. that's when I wrote the book I spent a few months uh, in writing the book and and then when I, I released it in Australia, and then I was um, promoting it uh, uh, in Australia, and, and um, you know, there was a lot of media interest in the book, and, and, and even the um, federal government um, uh, minister um, officially launched the book in Australia. So, so that's um, so that's sort of taken up uh, most of the, a lot of the time since then, and, and now I've um, just recently released this version of the book. Um, which probably the reason has a bit more of a, uh, I guess, a meaningful title for those who aren't familiar with uh, with uh, a gap year as uh, yeah. uh, in Australia. Do you, uh, but do you now live in a in a, a house or an apartment, or do you travel all around? <laughs> uh, I, I'm actually still uh, been traveling quite a bit, um, uh, you know, with the um, uh, with the book and catch up with the family. So I'm still in a bit of a flexible state. I'd have to admit, Roy. Well, I must. Uh, we greatly admire someone like you at, at your age, especially the latter uh, stages of middle age, to uh, just say, heck, I've, I've missed out on a lot of adventure in my life. I, I maybe should have done this when I was 25, but I didn't. So now is as good a time as any, and uh, 
you're an inspiration to us, and uh, I would highly recommend that uh, you get a hold of uh, Chris's book. What's what's the title again for those that are interested? Yeah, the youthful art of midlife travel. Yeah, that's so it's youthful. And this uh, program is all about midlife renewal, so that certainly would fit in, and it uh, certainly fits in with our theme of today of uh, empty nesters and what we do with the next stage of life and the, the kids and uh, you know the things that have held us back in the past don't necessarily need to hold us back in the future, and this is especially. Uh, applies if we're considering retirement from our career, it would be a great time to do that as well. Take a gap uh, and decide what the next stage is going to be while you're traveling around the world. And you don't have to do that uh, backpacking if you don't want. <laughs> I know I don't have uh, exactly. to do what Chris did, but uh, we certainly uh, enjoyed speaking with you today, Chris, and best of success in your book and in all that you do. Well, thanks very much, uh, Roy. It's been, uh, been a, a pleasure sort of being part of your, uh, your show. Well, thanks to Chris Herman for his inspiring advice on taking a gap year or perhaps a shorter time period, if that's what you desire, time to get away from driving for, for, for perfection in your career, in relationships, in building your finances, to live each day as it comes and to follow life where it leads you. And I know taking uh, time away from everything uh, won't appeal to all of us, but it's certainly worth thinking about, isn't it? And if you had a year just to yourself without any agenda, where would you go and what would you do? Of course, if you're married and have a family, that's kind of a different story than uh, Chris Herman's status as a new widower. But to close today's program, I'd like to talk about finding your passion. And I know many motivational authors and speakers, including me, Roy Richards, in my book, A Midlife Challenge, Wake Up, urge you to find your passion, then to alter your career or to start a new one so that your work truly fits your passion. And that makes a lot of sense. But I recently came across an article by Elizabeth Bernstein in the April 15, 2019 Wall Street Journal and that makes a lot of sense. In the article, she argues that small steps, not dramatic leaps, uh, create the best path to the job that fits your dreams, the job of your dreams, in other words. She begins her article by citing the experience of Freeman Wood, who at age five wanted to be an explorer. Uh, he dreamed of climbing mountains, trekking through deserts, mapping some uncharted terrain. But being an adventurer isn't an easy way to pay the bills, is it? So Mr. Wood studied economics and landed a job out of school at the Chicago Board Options Exchange and that set a path for a 30-year career in investment banking and corporate finance. Along the way, he earned an MBA and did stints at the Federal Reserve on Wall Street at Ford Motor Company. Hey, I used to work there and with an investment consulting firm. And despite his success, he felt unhappy. He dreaded going to work in the morning and came home at the end of the day, the day drained and grumpy. Sound familiar? 
Each step along the way seemed to be positive and moved my career in the right direction, he says, but I ended up in exactly the wrong place. I wasn't following what I was passionate about in a way that was contributing to the broader society. I know you've probably seen the uh, ad where Nike says, just do it, but unfortunately it's not always easy. There are lucky people who identify their passion early on and find work that allows them to pursue it throughout their career, but for so many, a passionate pursuit is elusive or problematic, and some never find it. They start down another path and keep trudging forward and walking to the club. Others set off passionate about their work, but uh, find, lose joy in it along the way, and uh, many keep laboring so hard at work they initially love that they ultimately burn themselves out. But you can take steps to reignite or find your passion. If you uh, inadvertently moved away from doing work you love, maybe you once did it uh, but got promoted and uh, now manage others, try blocking time on your calendar each week to do creative work Suggest Brad Stuhlberg. Maybe volunteer work might be an idea. Stuhlberg, by the way, is an executive coach in Oakland, California, and he's author of the new book, The Passion Paradox. And if you've never followed your passion and now want to switch gears, make a gradual change. And this is interesting. Research shows that people who quit their jobs cold turkey uh, to follow their passion often fail. Mr. Stuhlberg says the pressure to love the new endeavor or to make money at it quickly is too high. It's really hard to perform well and deeply enjoy your work if you're doing it from a place of pressure, he says, and that makes so much sense to me. Now, Mr. Wood, the fellow we were talking about, made a plan that included a series of short-term goals, small steps, uh, are achievable, he says. They are easier to attain, and they help you build momentum, and they build your confidence. His steps included paying off his mortgage and tuition for his three daughters, uh, saving a certain amount of money, and leaving his job when he turns 55. It's great to set a uh, target age, isn't it? And uh, also to have some real ideas of what you want to do beyond that target age. And when his company offered Mr. Wood a buyout last year that would pay him a salary until his 55th birthday, Mr. Wood took it as a sign, and he decided to do something he wanted to do for years, ride his bike across country from California to Florida. Now, nobody's going to pay you to do that, obviously, but he saw this as a first step in a new direction, and Mr. Wood spent two months uh, training. Then he uh, left Carlsbad, California on a sunny day this past February. He rode about 85 miles a day for a total of 2,775 miles. And in early April, Mr. Wood uh, rode a bridge uh, across a bridge in St. Augustine, Florida, and saw the Atlantic. He said he started laughing, crying, and shouting all at once. He thought a lot on the ride about what he wants to do next, and financial compensation and a senior position uh, matter much less to him now. 
uh, while working for an endowment or a foundation with a mission, uh, a mission that aligns to his values matters more. And congratulations to Mr. Wood. But he's already felt that he's gotten back his passion, and the ride, he says, showed me how good it feels to be more yourself, he said, and it made me think, if I can do this, what else can I do? Now, I'm not suggesting you get on your bike and head for the, <laughs> the East Coast or the West Coast or wherever and go on a coast-to-coast bike ride, but you can begin to think about uh, how you might modify your career, making a series of small steps with some definite goals in mind, not an all-at-once break, uh, but uh, just little steps, uh, measured steps to bring passion and joy back into what you do for a living. In fact, your entire daily life uh, full of passion and joy. And just uh, make certain that uh, you take small steps in your preferred direction and you have some idea what that direction is and you don't have to quit everything cold turkey because that just puts too much pressure on yourself to succeed as an entrepreneur or in a field you really don't know that much about and when you get into it it might turn out to not be so exciting after all especially if it's outside your expertise and often uh, the grass always looks greener on the other side so put your toe in the water before you jump in foolhardily. And best of success in finding your passion one step at a time. And that's our program for today. Tune in again next week on Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age. Bye for now. You've been listening to Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age, hosted by Roy Richards, an expert on midlife renewal and author of both A Midlife Challenge, Wake Up, and Wake Up, Captain and Crew, Restart Your Engines. You can learn more about Roy and his Middle Age Renewal Training System by visiting his website, middleagerenewal.com.